Film Noir podcast contains adult language and content and sensitive material which may not be suitable for young listeners. Those who feel graphic content discussing traumatic topics such as sexual abuse, violence, and sensitive subjects should listen with caution. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Film Noir, everyone. Hi. Welcome. Bienvenido. Welcome. That was... Hwanyeonghamnida. <laughs> <laughs> um... God, kill me. <laughs> Gross. I had so many things to say to you, and they all just left my head immediately. I have my notes file that I keep. Um, I told you it's good. For every it's week smart. of all the things I wanted to talk to you about. This week, there's only one thing on there. Okay. Nothing's been happening to me. Um, my boyfriend's parents are in town, and I'm having a bit of like separation anxiety for my dog because he has my dog right now. Why did he take your dog? Just this morning. They're going on a, oh. they're like going to Malibu and they're going to walk around the beach, oh. like a dog safe beach Cute. or like dog welcome beach. But I miss my dog. <laughs> so my, my update Wolfie sucks. So but it's because I bring I'm this dog everywhere. on behalf of Wolfie. No, it's different. Wolfie never had any it's shots different. or vaccines or flea medicine. So we never took him out. What? He never had flea medication. Like we didn't give him the monthly, like, you know, the little like. Why not? Don't dogs need that? They do if they go outside, but he literally never goes outside. He's a very small dog. He's, okay, for everyone to know, it's not an inhumane treatment of my dog. He's less than 10 pounds. Um, Andy's South Korean. Well, yeah, he's doing it, but, like, my other dog never used to come outside with me, but now I bring this dog everywhere, and I went to, like, pick up food for Caroline and I this morning. I was like, there's no dog with me. Someone can attack me, and I would be dead. (laughs) good that's good yeah it's safe it's it's healthy um so i just have some really exciting news okay um please do tell i would like to officially announce that i have two twitter followers oh my god <laughs> i thought it was gonna be about a dog no that's really this exciting is here so let exciting. me follow you let me, let no me i don't want you to judge me I won't judge you. I feel like you'll judge I'm me. never on Twitter. So I thought I had it's a an really empty, good tweet. It's an empty follower. So. Um, so yesterday I was watching the U.S. Not yesterday. The other day I was watching the U.S. men's national team play. You have 12 followers. What? No, no, no. That's a different one. That's my old one. Oh. I don't use that one anymore. Which my Twitter mm-hmm. is at caro underscore Phil with two L's. Okay. This is clearly not you. This is a Caro woman with a different underscore man. Phil. Oh, I found it. Yes, comma. I call it soccer. soccer. Love it. Football. But um, I thought I had a really good tweet. So US okay. Men's National pl- Team played the other day. And normally they're like a pretty shit team. But right now we have Aww. like this amazing young team that's like going to be so good. Yay. Um, <coughs> And like the average age of like the player players mm-hmm. where it's like 21 years old it's like a ba- it's so a bunch young. of babies oh my god and like eight players made their debut it was awesome but wait so what's the youngest player on the team Who, like how what's their age probably like 16 or 17 <gasps> that's a tiny child yeah like oh my babies god. um probably 17 um that's crazy but they're playing panama and they won 6-2 which is awesome but I had this tweet and I was like, if this tweet doesn't blow up, I'm going to be so disappointed. And it didn't blow up, but it's okay because I still think it's a good tweet. I just tweeted, this isn't even that good. Finally, the U.S. men's national team may finally earn their paycheck. 
Oh shit. Yeah, that's right. I'm fucking putting you on blast, oh, UN's men's national harsh. team. Play your you play the women's team. That Pay the women's be harsh. Anyway, so I have fuck. a soccer follower Yay. now. One person I'm pretty sure might be a bot. Oh. But it's a person nonetheless. Well, hey, this is the thing. No, if it's a bot, then it's not a person. Well, it's a follower, but not a person. Yeah, I mean, it's a oh follower. God. Philosophy. And she tweets a lot, and she retweets a lot, and she retweets, like, normal things. Okay. Like, she retweeted a tweet about Alex Trebek's death, R.I.P. King. Um, and, like, she retweets, like, normal tweets, but uh-huh. her pinned tweet at the top of her page is... It's hashtags nude giveaway time. So you say nude giveaway? Yeah. Um, and then another sentence of inappropriate language. Oh, no. And then follow and we retweet if you want a free nude of me. I don't think that's actually a bot. Isn't that a bot thing to do, though? I guess it's possible, but it could be like a girl. Maybe she just wants maybe she just wants followers. Maybe. Maybe she's Not hustling. More power to her. Yeah. She's very pretty. She might be fake. But the other one is a real soccer pl- person. <laughs> From that's Pleasanton, exciting. California. Ooh, that's close. And Come find us. Tweet, and I was like, <gasps> Come find Caroline. Am I a soccer Twitter? Yeah. Come find Caroline and be her friend. I got five likes. Hell yeah. On one that was just... I feel like a proud mom watching this team. And then a Steve Carroll, <laughs> Steve Carell gif of him. like Steve being- Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, follow me on Twitter. I'm hilarious. That's so Clearly. Funny. I love that for you. For me and my two followers. That is really exciting. And they're not even people I know. That's even more impressive. I'm keeping my Twitter a secret. Uh, like to people I know. Oh, okay. Here, let me unfollow you then. No, no, no. It's okay. Okay. Uh, it's okay. Just don't retweet anything. Caroline, I told you I am only on Twitter so that my <laughs> boyfriend can send me followers. dogs. <laughs> That's really exciting. I love it when people get like like stranger recognition for like an yes. actual content That's production. Because I feel cool. like on my Instagram, I don't yeah. ever like see people I don't know liking yeah. my things. Like, it's always my friends who like and comment on all my pictures. Yeah, because it's a personal thing. Yeah, Yours is also private. Twitter, it's like strangers are, like, validating me. <laughs> I guess it's also less creepy because Twitter is just words, like your actual thoughts. Yeah. And Instagram is like, look at this well, photo Instagram's of me. Instagram's, like, based off looks and superficial phoniness. And I think some people use it that stuff. way. And I'm yeah. like, no, this is just my mind being awesome. Everyone yeah. loves me. I love that. Thanks. Okay, on the topic of super, I'm gonna get a really fucking big head. I hope you know that. <laughs> I'm gonna become an egomaniac because of Twitter. Oh my gosh! Please don't. It makes a lot. That'd of be sense too stressful to be to be friends with like a famous Twitter person. Yeah, I tweet about you. I subtweet you all the time. Yeah. Oh, this fucking bitch. Not gonna name names, but this person I have a podcast with <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> Did I be talking about <laughs> surprise? Um, yeah, that would be it's fucking terrible. Have you been up to anything else this week? Oh no, I have nothing going on. My boyfriend's parents came down. Um, but the only thing that's new is this week my classwork was kind of slow, so I finished my story and stuff. But then I don't know why, but the YouTube home like recommended page 
has been up to some weird, weird algorithmic mm-hmm. shit. And I was recommended this video, and now it's my addiction. Hmm. It's this video series on YouTube. It's a channel for what I assume to be an actual TV show called DCC colon Making the Team. I know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. I have seen this entire team. And Caroline. <laughs> and there's this, like, they do one. I, okay. So then I got really deep in this YouTube hole of, like, 7 to 41 minute clips of, like, mm-hmm. just excerpts from what I think this, like, I think it's a TV show. I don't know if it was ever on TV. but I think It's, it's like some like sort of series. series. Yeah. Of, of I've only like, seen it on And the premise of it, for everyone who has a fucking life and <laughs> doesn't watch it, is that they start with, like, it's just, a like, a real reality TV, like, slash documentary filming of women as they go through the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders tryouts. And then as they go through their training camp, like, once they've so made the... T- Do you know like, what my favorite one is? They're trying on... Um, their uniforms, and if yes, if you're not Ameri- American or you haven't seen, I feel like everyone kind of knows the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. They call them. They say that they're internationally known. They well, so they I are. think they must. Be. And they're pretty iconic, like in terms of like cheerleaders. Yeah. They're the only ones who I'd be able to recognize. Um, yeah, but like they wear pretty much. It would, it's like like a button up t shirt. Like obviously it's not. It's all like silky. It's a blouse. And, yeah, it's like a, a blouse tied up that's blouse. tied up or like around the boobs. Yeah, and there's this scene where they're all going on and getting their like outfits fitted, yeah. and they're like trying to figure out like this girl's bra size. Yeah, and the woman's like the old coach. It's like these two like southern women who yes. are like so southern. They're ex cheerleaders themselves, yeah, former cheerleaders, and they're like talking to this one girl about her bra size, and they're like, "Uh, is your bra padded?" And she's like, "Ah." Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, just, like, normally padded, and then they just start poking her boobs, and then she's like, they're like, oh my god, this is so padded. You, why, why you girls always come in wearing padded bras, like, and I was like, sorry, the outfit, their tits are fully out, of course they're gonna wear fucking padded, like, yeah, what, like, (laughs) but then, okay, so, but then, on that try-on day, there's this one episode where Kelly, one of the two women, Kelly and Judy, who's responsible for, I guess, mentoring these women through this process and also be responsible for cutting them from this team. Um, Kelly is fitting a girl and she's tying this top like she's the one who always ties the knot on these tops. It's like a whole like rite of passage coming coming of age moment. Kelly's tying the the knot and the girl goes and she's like, oh, you got some you're blessed and I was like yeah yes obviously (laughs) and then the and then she pokes her like pokes her chest and then she goes and then Kelly asks are these what's your cup size and the girl's like oh well I'm a D and then Kelly says and I quote an East Texas D or are these natural (laughs) and then I was like an East Texas D Oh my god, I just I couldn't uh, even oh it's so good. Wait And the other thing that I wanted to bring up from DCC is this new <laughs> DCC. Is this <laughs> this new thing I learned about called hairography? 
They don't just do choreography. They do hair. Have you never watched Glee? They have a whole no, entire episode Glee. on hairography. I never watched Glee. I was oh actually god, in elementary middle this school. Glee episode. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So they're it's nationals or whatever. They're you know. They're competing against other they're schools. Acapella, Glee clubs. Right? No, they're they just sing. That's so like, much it's more not lame. acapella. Okay. And so they go to this other one of their competitive rival schools. Okay. Uh like practice to Got watch it. them and they're like all these hot chicks who are like looking fucking hot dancing and singing and they're like oh my god it's all hairography and then they're like maybe we should do hairography so they get wigs for everyone stop it i hate it and then they invite one of the other schools to come watch them practice oh my god <laughs> And so they have this whole performance of them doing like this absurd hairography. And then oh the school that comes and visits them is a school for the deaf. <laughs> and like, so they're like performing all this hairography, and the deaf kids are like, what the fuck is going on? Stop. And then the deaf kids get up and sing <laughs> Imagine by John Lennon. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that show. <laughs> so I fucking hated myself. Gross. Um, okay, Caroline. The other thing I have to recommend to you. Okay. Speaking of YouTube recommendations, oh. I don't think you're going to like this. I think this is going to stress you out, but I, I want other people to do this with me so I'm less weird. Okay. And I think I might have already told you about this. Okay. I might have requested that I attend this with you one day. Okay. So. There's this thing that some medical schools do. Oh. (laughs) I think every medical school does this. They might not post on the internet, though. So, when you apply to intern? Residency. Residency. You, I guess, apply through the system where, like, you list your top... It's a matching program. ...number of schools, and then they will, like... Hospitals. Hospitals? Yeah. And then they will be, like yeah we want you no we yeah. don't want you. and it's like an algorithm i guess that like matches you together and so there's this thing called match day where everyone from like your med school class gets a letter that says like this is a school you've been matched with and i think most schools just send you the letter and you open it and you know you celebrate the way you want to celebrate or not letter anymore because it's not 2005 <laughs> in email, email. but <laughs> Some schools have this thing, notably Dartmouth, I remember, was one of the main ones, where everyone comes and gets in together in a huge room, mm-hmm. and it's like this big event, and then one by one, they go up and open their match day, like, whatever their match is, and they, like, will bring their, like, because ch- some of them are older, they're like, they'll bring their children up or their wives up and or like their mom up and like that's really they'll open the match and everyone's like crying and screaming and like it's the cutest thing in the whole entire world and it it's like just these two hour long streams of two hours of just people opening letters and crying in front of a mic that's so long (laughs) and i watch it because i'm like wow i'll never be able to achieve that much (laughs) you will um Anyway, we'll it's really cute. I like to watch it when I'm sad. Because I'm like, look how happy they are. Anyway, Nally, please let me open your match day. Water. I don't I don't know if they do that anymore. 
I think it's also an elective option. Like, you can choose to participate in a match day ceremony, or you can just... I imagine... Well, and then, like, some people will get up and be like, I'm actually going to open this outside with my wife. And I was like, ah, oh, you fucking suck, you bitch. Well, sometimes I think it's also because if you don't think you're going to match mm-hmm. with a hospital that you wanted to... Like, a teaching hospital you wanted to be at, and then you have no, to I mean, cry I get about why it. why they like, do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other really cute thing is sometimes they're, like, couples in med school, so they match together. It's like a match link or whatever they call it, something special. And so... They get up together and they both open them at the same time and they're like, oh, we're going to this That's hospital. So and it's stressful. the cutest thing in the whole entire world. That's so stressful. That literally makes me want to cry. Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome, though. I adore it. That's really cute. God, I'm never getting into medical school. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, here's the last <clears throat> thing I need to recommend. Yes. Okay, so if you can tell by my Twitter... I like to watch football. Sh- sure. Sure. So there's some teams that I hate. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. But, so they're the, both Manchester teams fucking suck. Fuck you both. Oh, my if God. If you're listening. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and there's also a team called the Tottenham Spurs. Tottenham Hotspurs. Okay. Um. And they're like the North London team. Okay. And they're kind of the Wotes. Oh, no. Um, but there's this Netflix series, or not Netflix, Amazon Prime series that's been going on called All, All or Nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, All or Nothing. And it's where they go and... Sorry. Um... It's where they go and, like, follow sports teams around for a season. And normally they do, like, American football teams or they do, like, college football teams. That's so cool. But they did Tottenham and I feel like I'm going to get yelled at by British people for not being, like, Oh, right. All the British people Tottenham. who watch this it's show. It's like when people are like, it's not Melbourne, it's Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> you might get yelled at for doing that. It's all the same to me. Um... And they also do Man City. And I haven't watched the Man City one. And I've only... Because I, like, passionately dislike Man City. Oh, no. Okay. But, like, Tottenham, I almost, like, pity. It's oh, my kind God. Of- that's <laughs> so sad. That is so sad. Like, I don't want them to win ever. But they also haven't won, a, like, a trophy in, like, 40 years. <gasps> that's so long. It's really sad. Um, <laughs> and so... And... And they have this coach who's a very famous Real Madrid coach. Okay. Um, which is I'm a Barcelona fan, so Real Madrid's the energy, the energy, the enemy. And I was like, okay, let's just watch it. I'll make fun of this coach, and it'll mm. be hilarious. I fucking adore this coach with oh, my no. whole entire <laughs> heart, and I only want to protect him. His name is. Jose Mourinho, he's okay. Portuguese, and he has, like, there's, like, this whole bit of him, like, meeting um a new player, and he's like, how do I pronounce your name? And the new player's like, oh, no, no, this, this is how I pronounce it. And he's like, oh, I hate it when people call me the wrong name. Everyone calls me Jose. I am not Jose. I am Jose. I am Jose. I am not Spanish. I am Portuguese. <laughs> call me Jose. And That's so like, cute. Really, um, not that I like Tottenham, but I was like, the, it's so good it's so addictive and i kind of like it's 
probably a year old now and I had put it off because I hate I so I'm like I'm so uninterested by Tonham and it's literally just like so good I put it on last night while I was cooking dinner and my brother walked into the kitchen and my brother also likes football but I was like middle of the season middle of an episode Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he like sat down and started watching it with me and then at some point I was sitting down eating food and I had it on and my brother just came and took my spot and started eating my food and watching the show I like turned around and I was like, the fuck is going on? Um, it's so good. There's a Korean player. Interesting. Um, I wonder if you know him. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um I'm gonna butcher his name. Hungman Sun. H E anyway, there it's like he has this whole little bit about I, how I actually he's don't like, know him. I'm, I'm not his like, friend, unfortunately. Uh, he has this whole thing about how like large groups of south korean people will just fly to london and then just wait outside tottenham because to see yeah because he's like their star player he's like south korea's star player okay and so like every day he just like arrives and there's like a different large group of (laughs) south koreans (laughs) and then there's this really cute bit about this south korean guy who came to london alone okay and he just sets up shop on the side of the road and holds a sun jersey and waves and smiles at cars going by because he says like oh i want everyone to think south i want everyone to know how kind south koreans are and i think if i smile and wave at them people will like sun better that's actually just creepy it's really cute it's a really cute thing okay it's so good that sounds quite frightening (laughs) no it's really cute okay (laughs) um I'm obsessed with it. And I think even if you're not a soccer fan, I mean, one, who doesn't love to watch hot guys running around? (laughs) Well, also, I think Tottenham's kind of the perfect team to watch because they have a really good front three. So they have like they score a lot of goals. Okay, wait, then why do they keep losing? Well, because they don't have any back. They don't have like good defenders at all so it's very high scoring games oh because they score a lot but they also get scored on a lot so it's kind of like more exciting to watch them than say like another team who has a good defense who prevents goals from being scored okay so it's like the game will be over and it'll be like four three which in a game of you know people always say like soccer is so boring it's always like one zero but it's like no they they score a lot of goals but they also concede a lot of goals. that's exciting um it's per it's a perfect show I love it. Okay, and it's maybe so I'll interesting. Start watching and it's it also this like week. all the business side of like trading players and demon demon. What did I do? It's so good. Uh oh. That's why we've been so quiet lately. We used to bang, bang, bang. Got on the diary. God. I, like, can't get over how hot Maluma is. (laughs) Like, it truly causes me pain. I'm like, I don't understand how he, like, isn't the hottest person in the whole entire world. Mm. Speaking of which. Name one person hotter than Maluma. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It makes me angry when, like, he isn't accepted as the hottest person in the world. They just named people sexy. 2020 who B. jordan it? i thought it was michael b jordan that's correct honestly it's michael b jordan and then they named a bunch of like additional like sexiest brothers yeah. sexiest 
right. you. <laughs> okay. okay. Should we get into it? Yeah. All right. So this, this week we watched Uncut Gems. Oh, Yay! Wait, my info. Yeah. Alrighty. So this week is my episode. You need to tell them what you did. I'm gonna be telling. T- tell them what you did. Okay. Well, I just I was under the impression that Uncut Gems is was like based on an actual story or a specific event. Um, but it's not. It's loosely based on Caroline will tell you the information about the movie. It's loosely based on um I was so excited because I was like, who is the weekend in real life? Like, uh, like no one. He's no one. <laughs> um but Kevin Garnett is himself. I I paid homage to you, Caroline. It's a sports Kevin movie. Kevin Garnett was in a betting no, he was he's a superstitious guy who has a lot of like mm, rituals gotcha. or things that he does like like traditions before games and stuff. But I was no. going to say because he I never was... tried to buy a black opal from Adam Sandler. Unfortunately, <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, like this is a while ago. That's why I've never heard of it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, like the weekends in this. Yeah. <laughs> and they have like iPhones and shit. Like yeah. I thought it was like from the 70s. And I was like, yeah. oh, wait, this is supposed to be like 2018. How did I not hear about this? Yeah. So now it all makes sense. No, you're so good. Uncut Gems is a 2019 American crime thriller film directed by Josh and Ben Safty. Do you know Soft. how to Softy? Softy. <laughs> <laughs> Which stars Adam Sandler. Lakeith. Le- uh, Lakeith. Literally the hottest person ever. Yeah. I'm calling a lot of people the hottest people today. Yes. Like Keith Stanfield, Julia Fox, also super incredibly hot. Really attractive. Kevin Garnett, Adina. Adina Menzel. Adina Menzel, also very attractive. Do you remember when John Travolta fucked up her name? Yeah. I'm an imminent man. I'll never forget that. Um, And Eric Bogosian. Yeah. So... For everyone to know, Uncut Gems is not a true story, but it is based on the Softy Brothers' father who used to work in New York's Jewelry District. Do you know who produced it? No. Emily Ratajkowski's husband. husband. Sebastian Bayer McCullard. And they're having a baby. Yeah. It's going to be a really pretty baby. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be beautiful. Um, Right. Let's talk about this movie. Okay, so just as a quick synopsis for everyone, it's essentially about the main character, whose name is Howard Ratner, played by Adam Sandler, and he plays this man who's a owner of a jewelry shop in Manhattan's jewelry district, but who's also involved in a life of crime slash gambling, um, and he owes a lot of money to a lot of very, very powerful and violent people, Um and his obsession in the movie is with this black opal. And he kind of pins all his hopes on it as the thing that's going to get him out of all of this, like, $100,000 plus debt. Um, and ultimately, he fails. So, spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. He dies. Um, because he's shot to death. But his with his final, like, with, like, everything that he owns. The end. Um, but it's very depressing and super sad. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Really? The movie at all? I guess I didn't mind the plot. I just have this thing, and maybe it's just the anxiety in me. Okay. And Adam Sandler does this in all of his his movies, and that's why I don't love Adam Sandler movies. Like, I recognize that he's a very funny person and, like, talented and whatever. But, like, 
I'm just like, can we stop yelling all the time? Oh, yeah. It's too loud and it stresses me out. Sure. I'm like, this is not a lot. Like. He's a loud guy. I'm like, this is not the life that I want. Like, everyone just needs to just take. Like, they're out of 12 and they need to take it down to six. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. So I just have this thing with movies that I have. And the same thing applies to movies that are too quiet. Mm. You don't fucking hate it when a movie is just like too fucking quiet and like yeah. okay let's la- this movie's <laughs> too loud and every scene he's yelling at someone and everything's yeah. so chaotic so actually adam sandler was so sought after by these softy brothers this role was essentially written for him like he i guess not written for him it's it's like an actual script but they wrote it with the intention of having him play um howard ratner but uh howard the character is based on another howard that has that their father knew growing up Mm. and so while they're not the same person like he's not this obnoxious over the top really boisterous guy who's like constantly trying to prove himself the two are like they say like our howard um is not the real howard but the howard ratner character couldn't have been born without that howard yeah yeah so it's inspired by exactly um, yeah, that was my main issue. I was just like, can everyone just calm down? We yeah. don't need to yell. It's yeah. okay. No business. Yeah. Oh my God. And that scene where they're trapped between the oh doors and Kevin Garnett has the black opal and yeah, yeah Adam Sandler is trying to get it from him. I'm like, oh my God, everyone just calm down. Yeah. Let him fix the door. No one needs to yell. No one needs to yell. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah. Um. And I say that as a very, very loud person (laughs) from a very loud family. Yes. So if it's coming from me, it it's saying it must be too loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So part of the movie, a really essential part of the plot is Kevin Garnett as himself um, plays the is like interested in the purchase of this black opal that like Howard Ratner has incorrectly assessed to be far more than its actual Mm -hmm. value. But Kevin Garnett is like, oh, well, this is linked to my game. And if I don't get this Opal, I won't win my game. And he had a series. um, He was playing with the Boston Celtics at the time. And he had a series of three games in a row. Um, The first game was like incredible. The second game was terrible. And like this, the timeline of the movie takes place prior to the third game, which ends up being like amazing. But um, part of the movie is that Howard immediately after selling the diamond or the opal sorry to Garnett makes a huge bet on the Celtics winning the game and so one of the reasons he's in such debt in the first place is like sports betting and like illegal gambling so because it's not a true story but I needed I like really like <laughs> no um I decided to do or to tell Caroline the story of wait two of the really mo- quick yeah. let's yes. talk about this gambling thing I hate watching people go into debt in movies. It also stresses me out too much. I'm like, all this movie was just a stressful movie for me. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I because I love, I love a good sports conspiracy. Like, that's my favorite thing. I want to watch that all day long. What I don't want is like sad people losing their life savings. Yeah on dumb sports and i but say luckily that, I he think, won like 1.2 million back, yeah but i even though he dies like, yeah he, <laughs> yeah he gets shot in the end still um my dad and my dad's college best friend mm-hmm. love how do i say this without making them sound crazy 
not betting on horses. They've gone in the past to horse races and yeah. bet on horses. Not like absurd amount of monies or any like. No, but there's legal gambling. Yeah, yeah. You can it's, bet it's on totally horses. It's totally legal. But like, I mean, like, I just don't want to sound like they're betting like $200, $300. They Not their life savings. Not their life savings. But they take his daughter, who's a good friend of mine, my, my dad's college best friend's daughter, who's a good friend of mine. We've gone to horse races with really? our parents. And like, they'll let us place bets. And I love it so much. It is. It brings me an amount of joy that is incomprehensible. Like <laughs> I, I know, I recognize in my twenty years of life. Okay. I think I was born to be a gambling addict. Oh no! I love, mind you, I, I. This is why I don't go to horse races. Okay. I have loved betting on horses oh my god i find it so much fun i think it's and and, and i don't woman. even like betting on horses because i i don't like the idea of racing horses but mm-hmm. i love it so much i love poker caroline i don't i don't think like i can explain I, do you know what i think it is what? i don't have to do anything other than make the bets i think <laughs> everyone reason, loves free money i don't like poker <laughs> no, no but i think like the reason I don't like poker is because if I lost, I'd blame myself. I Whereas see. if I lose at horse racing, I'm like that it's dumb jockey and that dumb horse. Yeah. It's not easily. my fault. So it's someone else it's fucked it up. It's definitely someone else's fault. So I made the correct bet. They fucked it up. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So I'm going to do for Caroline two of the most famous sports betting slash gambling rings. Swan and Pete Rose. No. Uh, these are both historical because I was too afraid to do something modern uh, because I'm so uneducated about sports that like if people if I misspoke, then I, I didn't want people to yell at me. But this happened in like the 1950s. So I think. Okay. I'm OK. So the first one is going to be um, the big hefty guy. Should I do? I have two stories. One's a little shorter and not as fun. And one's like a fucking roller coaster ride. So which would you like first? Let's start with the short, okay. not as fun one. You got and it. Then we'll OK. End well, big. to pay homage to no homage? i'm lying homage it's homage you know how people say it's homage? an homage but you pay homage whoa yeah what's homage nothing it's not a it's a mispronunciation oh. of homage <laughs> okay so i'm gonna tell you about operation Slapshot. Ooh. Ooh. so operation Slapshot was a code name given to an undercover operation conducted by the new jersey state police to dissemble an illegal gambling ring that took place across the country. Um, this involved people on the on like National Hockey League teams, both current and former players, Ooh. coaches, staff members, and corrupt state troopers. Um, it began in 2000, like the actual operation began in 2001 and continued until 2006 when it was finally brought down. Uh, the way this investigation began was with a tip and it lasted in four months when it was made public in the beginning of 2006. Over the course of this single investigation, more than a thousand wagers were tied to this ring and involved close to two million dollars total. Nice. Yeah. So the majority of these bets were placed on basketball and football teams in both college and Wait, professional you said NHL. Yes. So... The news came out at like a very unfortunate time because the NHL was going through a lockout Mm -hmm. and was trying to get people back interested in hockey. And um, a lot of the players that they were originally like 
part of like professional teams um, had offered to compete and like the new blood as well were trying to compete in the turn winter Olympics. And so they didn't have any like they didn't have any interest. Do you know what's weird about American hockey? Please tell. Is I think this is the only sport. Our Olympic team uh-huh. is only made up of amateur hockey players. Why is that weird? That's the definition. Like you can't compete in the Olympics if you're a professional athlete. It's an amateur sport. It's longer be considered a professional. What? Yeah. Is that for real? Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make sure. Oh, the Olympics today are allowed to because, be like, professional athletes. However, <laughs> um, they were long known as, and I quote, a bastion for amateurism, with professionals being unable to compete in the games. However, during the latter half of the 20th century, the IOC, or like the international... So hockey has kept it. ...has had to adapt to a number of political and economic advancements. However, that's as the latter half of the 20th century. Which means that that happened after this. Yes. Or I guess not, because it's 2001 to 2006, yeah. so... Isn't that weird? Hockey's kept it, so we still have little babies. It's kind of cute, though. Yeah. They're, they're all, like, college players. But that's the whole intent of the, yeah. of the Olympics, to give people a chance. Oh, I didn't know right? that. So interesting. So... This gambling ring or syndicate, if you will, involved Janet Jones, who was Wayne Gretzky's wife, um, Rick Tauchett, who is the assistant head coach of the Coyotes, Wayne Gretzky himself, um, at the time, the coach of the Coyotes. He was retired by this point. No, he, yeah, he was the coach of the Coyotes at this point, right. Um, And also a minority owner of the Coyotes. Michael Barnett, who was the general manager of the Coyotes. Um, Jeremy Roenick and Travis Green. Arizona. Who were players at the time. Shame. Not great. So, Barnett, oh my God. So I'm going to talk about like these famous people and why they got in trouble. (laughs) Barnett was Gretzky's former agent and had placed a bet on the Super Bowl. I know it's not XL or extra large. <laughs> my, every time I see it, I Super think it's saying. Super Bowl XL. I think it's You're allowed to say that. I'll allow it. Wait, let's talk space. about The weekend. It's performing <coughs> at the Super Bowl. Thoughts, um, comments, concerns. I don't know. I don't think I have an issue with that. Is that bad? I don't know. I feel like he's pretty fresh on the music scene. Yeah, but again, it's like a fun chance for we us for everyone to discover new music, you know, new artists. I don't know why that sounded like Borat, but new music. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, fuck me, whatever. That was really funny. There were there were other players, coaches, and staff members involved in this <laughs> ring. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And allegedly had ties to the known mob family, the Bruno uh, Scarfo crime family. I hate, sorry, I'm going to prep. I'm just going to inform okay. you. Now. I hate mob movies. I hate okay. mafia movies. I won't do mob or mafia All movies. those crimes, unless they're robbing a bank, don't interest <laughs> oh me. Oh, my God. Like Ocean's Eleven? Wasn't yeah. Wasn't that a mob movie? Like, they had some sort of tie to the mob in that. So you don't like the Godfather movies? I hate it. I <gasps> really? so couldn't care less. Oh. I mean, like, I, I get that they're good movies. Like, I'm not... Yeah, I'm just, yeah. like, I don't want to sit... I don't want to... I'm like, this is not This is not my crime. <laughs> Show okay. me a good crime. Okay. Got you. Noted. I won't do any just of Just a heads up. Alrighty. 
Um, or a casino. If they're if they're heisting a casino, then I'll allow it. Okay, that's my next he- movie. I'm gonna do casino. I want to heist a casino. Um, the Bruno Scarfo crime family had an operation at the time in Philadelphia and New Jersey, and this gambling ring technically didn't violate the NHL's policy against gambling because it wasn't inside the sport of pro hockey. They I was gonna say, on is own. it? Isn't it? You're allowed right. to bet on other sports, right? Um, the and the and that's the same for All like sports. the majority of sports leagues. Yeah, you're just not allowed to bet on your own. Yes. However, here's where James Harney, um, corrupt slash ex state trooper, comes in. He worked on the state trooper force for approximately eight years and was charged with money laundering, official misconduct, promoting promotion of gambling, conspiracy, and conspiracy. He was charged with this prior to this. Sting this was or a result the of this sting. sting. Yeah. Um. And he decided that after pleading guilty to the charges, he took a plea deal and agreed to help by testifying against Tochet and all of these other people involved. Is there any chance it's Tochet? It's T-O-C-C-H-E-T. Is that Tochet? Because sometimes we get some French players. Sorry, Tochet. I don't know if he might not even be French. Um, but. but it's a double C. Double C? T-O-C-C-H-E-T. Okay, then you're probably right. Sorry, everyone who's French or cares or knows this man. Sorry, Rick. Got it. How to pronounce? Touche. Okay. Touche. Touche. <laughs> okay. So, um, Touche. He, James Harney oh, agreed to how testify. How to pronounce again. Rick Touche, Philadelphia Flyers. To cheat. Rick. To cheat. This is a joke. He's <laughs> 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 like, what? Okay, anyways, he agreed to testify against everyone else involved and claimed that he and Rick were equal partners in the ring. Rick Tockett. Oh! oh. <laughs> After being charged with money laundering, official misconduct, promotion of gambling, and conspiracy, this ex-state trooper, trooper Mr. Harney, um, took a plea deal after pleading guilty and agreed to testify against Tockett and the other members of the ring, claiming that he and Taki were equal partners. His bail was set at $100,000, but obviously he only had to pay 10% of it to get out. And after being arrested, he got himself suspended from the Taki pleaded guilty and um Taki pleaded guilty and got 2 years worth of probation and under the terms of probation obviously he wasn't able to partake in gambling, blah blah blah, but in early August of 2007, Harney was sentenced to 6 years in prison. What they finally figured out and claimed was Tockett handled the money. Harney took the wagers over the phone from everyone involved. A man named James Ulmer, not James Harney, was also brought up on charges of promotion of gambling, conspiracy, money laundering, etc. And the authorities finally took possession of a large amount of sports betting information over 25 grand in money and multiple accounts that had hundreds of dollars in them as they Wait. were trading in the interim. Hundreds of dollars doesn't feel Sorry, like that many hundreds dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> Janet Jones, Wayne Gretzky's wife, claimed that she never placed Janet! Bets- <laughs> god damn it. Claimed that she never placed bets of any kind for her husband and with the exception Ooh. of one bet on a horse race, he <gasps> never actually bet on anything. Me too. <laughs> okay. So despite the fact that the Jersey State Police have him on tape talking about the gambling ring, neither Gretzky or Jones faced any criminal charges for parts in the ring because they have incredibly expensive lawyers. 
Yeah. Yeah. Don't come for Gretzky. Yeah. Well, then there was a de- defamation suit filed against New Jersey by Tockett and Jones on the grounds Whoa. that they lost business opportunities as a result of their names being like slandered and like thrown across a bunch but of But they were guilty. As a result of this investigation. No. Technically, Jones was never. Jones was acquitted. Wait. Which one's Jones? Not Janet. Jones is Jones is Janet. Oh, it's Janet, Janet Jones. Got yeah. It. Got so it. Janet Jones was. Oh. Yeah. Got it. This was not a joint lawsuit, though. They each yeah, yeah. individually Separately. did it. Right. Exactly. So this was not the first example of gambling within the NHL. As far back as the late 1940s, there have been gambling, and two men bet on games within the sport of hockey and were banned for life. So that is the first one. There were only two other people. No, no, no. Who in were the banned history? for li- in the history of because they bet inside of the NHL. But there are only two? Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have said so many people would have done that because baseball. Maybe the people who do, who play hockey are, like, honorable people. Maybe they get hit in the head too many times. So oh, they my just God. Like, then isn't that the same as football? Yeah, but, like. We There's throw, a lot of betting within football. We throw. <laughs> Let me tell you what we do in hockey. They throw punches in hockey. Yeah, they fight. But they do that in. But they're still wearing helmets. They're wearing the same, like, amount of protective gear. I guess they're moving faster because they're on ice. Oh, also, they, like, go ahead. I watch, um, I'm not a crazy person. You're listening okay. to this fucking podcast who don't shame me, okay? Okay. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> God, I'm so aggressive. I have this thing where I watch, like, the worst fights in hockey history. Or so the, scary. Or the worst hits in hockey history. Okay. People, like, die. Like, there's. Like, on is, the ice? Yeah. How they have. Um, there's a video. That's so disturbing. A goalie gets his throat Stop. sliced by the blade of another player's no. skate. Not yeah, good. I don't like that at all. Awful. He survived. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so frightening. But, like, there's blood all over. The- I- oh, my God. It was insane. That is so frightening. They should wear, like, scarves or something. Recently... I've or gotten like a this. I just my YouTube algorithm is all. I know weird. it's so whack. Explosions during soccer games. What? It's like a thing that there's one particular Serbia. Let's talk about Serbia. Okay. Super okay. racist. Slobodan Milosevic. I really like that name though. Like okay. I know he's a horrible human being. Kind of a sick name. What was I going to say? Oh, so there's this team in Serbia called Belgrade Red Star. Red Star Belgrade. Okay. Well, so one, the Serbia national team, whenever they play like England and stuff like that, the whole entire crowd in Serbia is incredibly racist okay. towards other national teams. Belgrade Red Star is like known for having crimes committed by their fans oh my god it's like a thing they like throw firecrackers (gasps) at opposing teams goalies why would anyone go play there because they have to that's terrible yeah and so i watched this whole compilation of like things being exploding on the field no yeah no crazy well, and then also there's the France explosion during well, the bombing and the shooting. Yeah. That was at a football stadium. I think it's just that it, it there's so many people at these sporting events. It's crazy. It's inevitable that those will targets of, like, 
Violent crimes. Oh my god. Disgusting and terrible. Anyway. Don't Alrighty. be hockey because you your throat slit. You can't forget the disclaimer for this episode. It's, it's really horrible. Okay. Speaking of racism, this second story, that was, that was the Yay! whole first story, is going to be about the- I don't consider hockey players betters, gamblers. Is that- I don't really know what, what would a better gambler be. Well, I just be. picture them all as Canadian. Hockey players? Yeah. Yeah. Canadians are so nice. Why would they do anything like that? They don't even need money. They have free health care. <laughs> Universal health care. <laughs> okay. Um, so this story is about the City College of New York's basketball scandal. Have you heard about this? The City College of New York? It's bananas. Oh, my God. Go. Okay. So my sources, which I'm going to cite for this because I draw a lot from them, is the book, The City Game, Triumph, Scandal, and a Legendary Basketball Team, as oh well God. as the article written about this you book. You read a whole book? You, yeah. I went through the book and looked for like, so it's a shorter, <laughs> it's a shorter oh book. Um, but I used Google Books. I didn't bring a book. Um, and then <laughs> also the WBUR, which is like the Boston NPR like station. Okay. Um, they wrote like an article and recorded like a little like 11 minute clip Love about it. this. And you guys should go listen. It's very good. Okay. It's 1.30 a.m. on February 18th, 1951. I love when things happen in the morning. <laughs> 1.30 a.m.? That's the nighttime. That's very much the very early morning. I mean, like this. I mean, specifically the early morning. 1.30 a.m.? Are you confused about how time works? You know, the day starts over at midnight. Yeah, I understand that. But I feel like 1.30 a.m. is considered the middle of the night. I mean, it's the, but like I like when things happen from like 1 to 4 in the morning. That's crazy. Oh, okay. So Those 1.30 a.m. Like, like going to the airport at 4 in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, a special <laughs> feeling. Yeah. yeah. So 1.30 a.m., um, February 18th, 1951. Several detectives, plainclothes and traditional detectives oh from the God. New York District Attorney's a Office. A pre-dawn raid. No. Oh. Are standing on the platform of Old Penn Station waiting for the train Back coming in Payne, from Penn Philadelphia. Station was pretty. Yeah. Well, it is a, it's okay. And I'm going to include this quote from the author, Matthew Goodman, because you'll see. It's kind of a scene out of a film noir with Ooh. everybody bundled up That's in overcoats and fedoras. It's like when movies, when they say the title of the yes, movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, with everybody bundled up in overcoats and fedoras. The detectives are there to arrest three members of the City College of New York's men's basketball team. Wait, okay. let's talk about these fedoras. <laughs> fedoras and overcoats. It's like what detectives used to wear. I know, but I thought that was quite literally only a film noir movie thro- trope. Thro- no, I think it's it's a part of the, like people used to wear it, like gentlemen and like white collar employees used to wear Okay. So during the late 1940s, the City College of New York men's basketball team featured an all-Jewish and African-American roster. This was incredible. Jewish and, and African-American? Or like Jewish. There were. And then also there were african Members of the team were either of the minority de- demographic of Jewish they people were not Jewish or African-American and African-American. No. This was incredibly unusual. Like in Ethiopia in Uncutcha. I'm sorry. <laughs> this was incredibly unusual for the time, but it made a lot of sense because New York City was one of the homes of the most progressive political environment and the home of many different diverse peoples and often underrepresented minorities, underrepresented minorities who faced a lot of adversity and prejudice, especially within the sports world. 
City Co- I know you were saying like CCNY, what? City College played almost all of its games at Madison Square Garden. What? Playing a double header at the Garden and would invariably draw a full house, upwards of 18,000 screaming fans. What? Yeah. The Knicks at the time had difficulties drawing in even seven or 8,000 fans. So for context, they're getting two or three times as many as professional sports. What? So... Wait, what's thing, going on with CCNY? They were incredibly talented and they, they were, were like representative. Really good team, really good they team. were incredibly talented yeah. and they were representative of a lot of people who typically didn't frequent mm, sporting events. That's cute. Right. Um, when there was a scheduling conflict and both the Knicks and CCNY were scheduled to play on the same night, the Knicks were moved downtown. Oh my God, I love out of that. Madison Square Garden. To the 69th Regiment Armory on 23rd Street because the college game was far better. <laughs> Isn't that so sad? That's so good. Right. Just a testament to how bad the Knicks are. Yeah. It was bad. Things don't change. So one of the reasons it's important that they played in Madison Square Garden was that it is estimated there were about 4,000 bookmakers operating illegally in New York at this time. Oh, my God. And about $300,000 was bet on every single game that was held at Madison Square Garden. The majority of it, as everyone knew, was coming from inside of the garden And itself. that's 1950s yeah. money. So I'll tell you. At the center of the gambling scene was a man who went by the, the name Mr. G. Nice. And his actual name was Harry Gross, who was a bookmaker from Brooklyn. His gambling syndicate was taking in over $20 million a year in sports bets. Whoa, 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 whoa. In 1950s money? Which seems like a lot. And if you use a money like an inflation converter, that's over $200 million a year in today's currency. Yeah. So Mr. G was protecting himself in his gambling ring from arrest by bribing of around a hundred around a million dollars in a year in bribes to policemen and politicians in order to keep them from like stopping this organization right um but in the 1940s because this was such a huge industry gross was very smart about the way that he gambled and he also bribed the players obviously he was rigging the games but instead of having players throw games he did what's called point shaving So he would have the players win by a specific point margin. So the players felt far less guilty and were more inclined to take the money because they were like, who cares if we're winning by 11 points or 9 points? It doesn't really matter. Exactly. So a player who would initially be very upset and off-put by the idea of having to lose a game Mm. would be more inclined to actually take the money, take the bet, and that's why so much money was going through each of these games. Right. Um, City College was established as the best team in all of New York. And the players already had the gambler's attention because of the location. However, most of these players who are like people attending city colleges, they are not from like affluent families Mm -hmm. or backgrounds, actually first come into contact and are like marked, quote unquote, by the bookmakers, not in New York City, but at upstate in incredibly expensive hotels in the Catskills. This is called what... The Borscht Belt. Oh, yes. I love the Borscht Belt. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the players from New York and all around the country would be hired in by the hotels in the mountains to work as waiters or lifeguards or like menial laborers because NCAA rules, the hotels were not allowed to pay <gasps> these people to play basketball. Oh my God, it's like high school musical. Exactly. <laughs> but they were being basketball players. Basketball. They were being hired with the intention of being under basketball the title under the guise of lifeguard of, yes. or whatever exactly but to play basketball exactly because each hotel actually had a basketball team oh my god that's so fun <laughs> yeah and the competition gets super intense and this competition or these like tournaments were far less regulated and so there was a raffle at the end of the games and whoever had the ticket closest to the final score of those two teams combined points would win a huge pot <gasps> oh my god that's Sorry. so fun and the gamblers would bribe the players into saying, if you can figure it out so that my number is the final number, I will give you half the pot. So again, they're not throwing games. They're just Whoa. winning by a specific margin. That's so smart. Exactly. And that's where these bookmakers marked the players as either being willing or not willing to participate in this sports uh. betting. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> let me tell you about upstate New York. I don't know. This is, so – uh how should i put this when my dad after college my dad and his buddies they all you know everyone went to live in new york and there was this group of guys they all were like you know their post-college jobs they're sure. like hated them for the most part Aww. um that's so sad so what they would do is that every summer prior to the recruiting season in the fall mm-hmm they would quit their jobs right at the beginning of the summer. Uh-huh. They worked all year. You know. Okay. They would save up their money. Okay. Quit their jobs in the summer. My dad did not do this. His friends did. Okay. Rent a house up in Saratoga, New York. Okay. For the summer. And every day, take their savings from their job and go bet on the horse races in Saratoga, New York. That's that happened every single day. So they'd... You know, the, like my one of my dad's friends was telling me, like, we just play basketball all morning, drink a couple beers, go to the horse races, place our bets, and come home. And they did this like probably for like the three years after they graduated college. That's so until crazy. they were like twenty four, twenty five. Um, and they got so good at betting on horses oh my God. <laughs> that they were like, we'd make more money that summer than we've made. All year oh long. <laughs> um, and then they just go back during the fall and get a new job. That's crazy. Isn't that so funny? That's so fun. Wow. America used to be very different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I wish we could do something like that. Right? I don't know if I would want to actually bet on horses, but I would want to do something fun. Well, and they would, like, learn. They would get to know. Like the, the stats. Because Saratoga's the- a smaller, at, at least at the time. I don't know what it is now. Okay. But it was like, one, they know all the stats. They know how to read all those yeah. horse statistics <laughs> and they would get to know all the jockeys because it's a small oh. town and like they race there pretty much every single day at yeah. the time i don't know what they still do during the summer and so they'd get to know the jockeys so they'd be like oh you know that jockey was out partying late last night oh my like, god like oh he had like eight beers he's gonna be bloated and heavier like they got like really good at that's knowing. insane so cool that's so fun anyway oh my god i love that i know right does anyone know any uh jockeys humane friendly horse races i don't no. know if they're inhumane i know some are i don't know if all are I anyway 
Isn't okay. that fun? So That's cute. so fun. <laughs> so during the 1949 to 1950 season, a few city college players were taking money and point shaving. However, it wasn't every game and it wasn't every single one of the players. It was far less rampant. But when they finished that year with this, their regular season with a 17 to 5 record, the best among all of the colleges in New York City, they earned a bid to the NIT, which was the most like exclusive postseason basketball oh, tournament. Uh-oh. In their first game against, in this tournament, it was against USF, like University of San mm-hmm. Francisco. Um, and they were the defending champions from the prior season. USS, USF has a college basketball team? I would assume so. At the time, they might have yeah. had undergrads. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> prior to the game, though, the bookmakers approached the City College senior forward named Norm Major and gave him double, am- double the money, $2,000 per player, to shave points in the tournament. Um, however, he felt... Because he was a part of the starting five, um, he brought that player to his other teammates. Or sorry, he brought that offer to other teammates and they all told him, no fucking way. Like, this is such an important tournament for us, so we have to play clean. So it was all about whether or not they were actually going to win because USF was an incredibly good team. Mm -hmm. City College won a 65-46 to game. In the second round, which were the quarterfinals, they were slated to play against the University of Kentucky. And here's where shit kind of hits the The University of Kentucky was perhaps the most racist and bigoted team <laughs> in the entire league. Um, they were also the overwhelming favorites. Like, everyone thought they were going to win. They had never had a black player on their team. And this is already 1950. Like, I understand that it may be prior to, like, the extreme, like, civil rights movements. But... This was still 1950, yeah. like not long enough ago that this kind of behavior was yeah. okay. Their head coach at the time was named Adolf Rupp. Yikes. Um, and he had told a group of New York City um, sports reporters a few years earlier that, quote, the Lord didn't want a white boy to play against a colored boy, else he would have painted them different colors, end quote. So... Not a good guy. Bad guy. Very actively bad guy. Bad man. You right. have to be. It's bold. I guess technically he was named Adolf prior to World War II. Carolina, this was 1950s. Yeah, but he wasn't born oh. eight, 10 years ago. That's true. He's a grown up. <laughs> but to still choose to be referred to as Adolf. Yeah. That's just a tough one. Anyways, he was not a good guy bad guy so this game between city college of new york and all african-american and jewish roster was playing against the university of kentucky and this game came to be not just a game of basketball but they were advocating for different stances like political stances this is and it was not just real madrid right okay i don't know real madrid is fascist Oh, I, I didn't, I don't know what that means. But the game was not just seen as a basketball game, but what we would know today as a culture war. So from the very beginning tip-off, City was playing an incredibly fast game, like moving, and they said, up and back, Oh, up I'm and so back. excited to hear you talk about basketball. moving fast like a pinball up a chute. Um, the favored <laughs> Kentucky Wildcats seemed old and slow, confused. Anyways, it was bad. It was not good. Things didn't look good for Adolf. Um, 
The final score of the game ended up being City College 89, Kentucky 50. 0 for 2 50. for Adolph's, sounds like. <laughs> City College 89, Kentucky 50. Yay! And in the semifinal, yes, they won. Whoa, that's a big points spread. Huge friend. difference, yeah. Um, then in the semifinal, so this is the third game in the NIT, uh, the City College, which is no longer really an underdog, beat Duquesne by double digits. And finally, in 1950, they beat Bradley University in the finals to win the 1950 NIT. Yay! Woo! And instantly, City College of New York and their men's basketball team became heroes not only in New York City but across the country, particularly for Jewish and African-American fans of basketball. Woo! Right. So at the time, the coach of the team was named Nat Holman, and he went on the Ed Sullivan Show. All of the <gasps> players... Oh, my God. My next episode also talks about the Ed Sullivan Show. Oh my god, show. I'm so excited. Well, that's the only thing that I have. There's just yeah, like, I only have pop one culture. thing about it too. <laughs> they were just like pop culture icons and the players were photographed for a full page spread in Life magazine. This was super, super progressive. Mm-hmm. It was like a hallmark of like this like liberal movement, yeah. this like idea of racial equality and like social treatment of um, like underrepresented minorities. Um what Goodman writes is they seem to embody so much of what New York wanted to believe about itself. The notion of racial harmony, of civic virtue, the triumph of the outsider. New York's newspapers refer to them again and again as our boys and our champs. They were incredibly heroic in the eyes of many, many New Yorkers. Mm. Right. Okay. So the, all this glory days, all this wonder, Uh-oh. all of this. Mind you, nothing in the NIT was technically a dirty game. Because if you'll recall... Their uh, senior forward, Norm Major, um, decided not yeah. to take the right. Decided not to take the offer by the bookmakers. But Uh-oh. in Brooklyn, a new district attorney who was named Miles McDonald Ugh. had quietly been putting together an undercover investigation into police corruption and into the gambling syndicate. Boom. Oh no! <laughs> so he was aware of the fact that there was a lot of corruption within the police. So mind you, this investigation begins as an attempt to clean up the police department. So a lot of the police, in particular plainclothes officers, were taking money from bookmakers to protect this huge gambling syndicate. So what my I know he's kind of like like the party pooper, but what he did is No, but like, clean up dirty cops. Don't take money from poor college athletes who aren't allowed to be paid any other way. No, they're not taking money from poor college athletes. Are they going to arrest them? Well, you'll see what happens. Okay. They're also making a lot of money on the side, these players. Good. They should. Illegally. Yeah, but the Knicks can't fucking draw a crowd. They are drawing a crowd making <laughs> thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars for their college. But the college is forcing them to work for free. Yeah, so Miles McDonald couldn't trust these regular policemen like these veteran policemen who had been there for years and years so what he did was he recruited 29 rookies like fresh babies specifically for this undercover sting operation and they all went undercover and pretended to be students at city college and other community like schools throughout it's literally 21 jump street 21 jump street (laughs) except with actual babies yeah with actual people actual fetuses. So, Miles McDonald, this DA, had heard stories about this bookmaker named Mr. G, but no one knew who Mr. G was. He was just this, like, infamous, like, enigmatic guy. 
who eluded every single time mm. <laughs> he's trying to catch That was a lot him. of good words. Thank you. Infamous, enim- enigmatic, enigmatic yeah. eluded. Yeah. <laughs> so slowly by slowly, little by little, each of these rookie cops provided McDonald with a little. I can't fucking say McDonald seriously. Slowly, <laughs> slowly, step by step, each of these rookie cops provided Miles with additional pieces of information, which he was able to put together, almost like a puzzle, to figure out the identity of Mr. G. Nice. So they started by arresting <gasps> one. Oh my God, I bet you had bookmaker. so many strings connecting photos in a dark <laughs> room lit by one light. Um. <laughs> so, um, he arrested one guy after another and questioned them and questioned them and dug and dug until he finally figured out that Mr. G was Harry Gross. However, what he still lacked was the connection between bookmakers and the players. Mm-hmm. He wasn't sure how they were being recruited and he wasn't sure how the players were being approached. Yeah. Like, like being approached each time to like shave points by a certain margin. Yeah. So in January of 1951, two of the former Manhattan College basketball players who were involved in the, um, who were involved in the gambling syndicate approached at the time. Ugh, they're Man- just petty that they weren't good at, as good as CCNY. <laughs> Um, no, this is CCNY. I thought you said Manhattan College. That, that is the city college. It's the city oh. Manhattan. So, okay, sorry. Then in January of 1951, two CCNY basketball players, now graduated, who were involved got in the gambling it, syndicate, got it, got it, got it. approached at the time star, so current player, got Junius it. Kellogg. Oh. I know. Quite the name. I know. However, he refused to do it because he was too virtuous and went to his coach, who at the time had no idea that players were point, like shaving points, mm. um, and told him what happened. I call bullshit. And what do you mean? Do we really think the coach had no idea? Well, see, so then the coach that right at the end of the game, they just so happened to start missing all of their <laughs> shots. What? So then, well, see, I don't know if I can vouch for his integrity like the coach. Uh, I can't vouch for him, but the coach immediately sent Kellogg to the DA. He sent him to Miles. So I would assume that if he was actually involved in any capacity they could trace, he wouldn't have been so, so like forthcoming. Exactly. So Kellogg then was set up with a wire and he started like he was involved in like recording players talking about point shaving. Ugh, what a snitch. Anyways. Three city college players at the time were then implicated after they tapped the phone of a former college basketball player who was acting as like a go-between between between the bookkeepers and or bookmakers and the players. Mm. So now we get to the night before this dreary night of the film noir, blah, blah, blah. February 17th, 1951. (gasps) February 17th. That's my friend's birthday. That's exciting. So (laughs) is it? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's so cool when random dates. Anyways, so City College just plays um, had just played a game against Temple University and were returning to New York by train. Temple U. When the train pulls into Penn Station in New York, the players are all met on the platform <sighs> by these detectives in and Fedoras. every single one of them. Huh? Nothing. In Fedoras. Yes. <laughs> and every single one of the players are taken downtown to the DA's office for interrogation. Inc- including Kellogg? I would assume so. I don't know if he was as, Didn't like... Didn't want to expose him as a snitch. Exactly. Classic so, undercover move. 
So each of the players are interrogated in separate rooms for several hours. They're not allowed to call attorneys. They're not allowed <gasps> to call their parents. Whoa. Some of them, I would assume, are possibly minors. Whoa. However, after hours of questioning, each of them break and they confess to having shaved points in three of the total games during that season so far. And within a matter of hours, the CCNY basketball team went from heroes to corrupt villains. No, they still won. Yeah, three City College players, like I said, were arrested that evening, not just taken into custody, and four more later on. So seven total CCNY, like, team members were arrested. And in total, like I said, this huge ring, 32 players from seven different schools across New York confessed involvement in the point shaving and in Mr. G's gambling ring. Mr. G, finally, Harry Gross, pled guilty to 66 counts of gambling and bribery and was sentenced to only eight years in prison. Um, However, in the following years, the majority of schools involved, like University of Kentucky and Bradley, if you recall, they played during the, like, 49 to 50 NIT, all rebounded from the incident. But CCNY, despite not having been stripped of their championships, was banned from Madison Square Garden (gasps) and was dropped to Division Three. And they never reached the same level of fame or success ever again. The end. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you cheat. But if we just played college athletes, paid college athletes, and they wouldn't have to cheat. Well, that was rough. It was a sad time for them. Oh. Yeah. Such a bummer. Not great. Not great for City College. So mean of them. Yeah. Just let them. You know what? Why does University of Kentucky get to rebound? They're the racist. Please take that off. I don't think that anyone should not be allowed the chance for growth (laughs) and change. And I'm sure many Kentuckians are fine now. (laughs) They're fine. We don't give them too much credit. (laughs) They're fine. Like everyone's fine. Everyone's mediocre at best. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So that is the That's sports so betting. smart. Point shaving, right? Instead of throwing games. Yeah. Because then you don't even lose. Like, I don't even, like, I mean, obviously I guess why it's legal. But, like, you have to win. You have to, like, try. And if you're going to try anyway. Yes, you do. You do have to try. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wait, should I go bet on sports? I feel like if you feel like you were born to be a gambling addict, maybe you shouldn't go down that path. But that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I want to. I think I'm pretty good. At betting? Yeah. But it's chance, isn't it? Not if you're you're good. (laughs) There's a lot of statistics. My eyeballs are so... I slept with my contacts in. Oh, no. Are they so dry? And now they're so dry, and my eyes, like, keep, like watering <laughs> oh no uh, um okay it'd be good uh gambling well everyone I donate to our patreon so caroline can have some seed money to begin yes her gambling only... addiction it's not funny you can't actually get addicted but i won't actually get addicted yeah but i do hope that you enjoy your time in this fun legal recreational activity i won't bet on horses because i know how some people feel about that and I respect yeah, those it feelings. But I will bet on humans. Cool. I'm going to bet on soccer, I think. 
Okay. Well, you know the most about that. that well, and also, this is what I've realized. What have you realized? So in America, when sports teams want new players, okay, they either draft them from like college or amateur leagues. Okay. Or they trade them. Yeah, okay. So to get a player, you have to like exchange someone else. I see. For that player. It's like Monopoly. No, you have to you exchange properties. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I guess you, you could buy pay properties. someone for... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So not it's not like, like not. <laughs> Um, As you can see, I know a lot about sports. So, like, if you want one super good player, mm-hmm. you might need to... A t- another team. If you want that player, you're going to have to give up a lot to get that player. Okay. So that, that makes the teams... F- not equal... But it allows for, like, a more equal distribution of good players. I see. Okay. In Europe. This is making sense. You can purchase players for soccer. I see. So if I wanted to buy a good player, if I paid enough money, I mean, you know, the player has to be, like, willing to come and stuff like that. Yeah. But if if a club pays enough money. Yeah. You can buy that player i see so it's like if you're just a really wealthy team and you're obviously really good yeah. then you're just accumulating more wealth and you get the better player so it's yeah unfair. exactly that sucks yeah i mean kind of but it also means that teams like fc barcelona <laughs> <laughs> stay good for really long even though that's they're going broke but that's another situation but i so i think i'd be more comfortable betting on european sports because i'm like Although Barcelona does tend to crumble against some weak. Anyway, I think I'm going to bet on sports. That is really exciting. I hope that you're successful. But there's something about horse racing where it's like it only happens for like 30 seconds. Okay. That's much more exciting than watching a sports game. Yeah, so fast. Yeah. It's just like over with. Is there any racing? Can't uh, you place bets on specific things like, oh, in the second quarter – in the second half of the second quarter, X, Y, Z thing will happen. Yeah. So then that would give you the same, like, momentary rush because you've gotten that one bet correct in that one, like, I don't know, eight-minute yeah, period. Yeah, I mean, I guess you still have to wait those, like, five, yeah, you know, depending the on what sport you're watching. Okay. You have to wa- yeah, you have to wait for, you know, 15 minutes and then yeah. depending on when you placed your bet. Yeah. But it's, like, with horse racing, it's, like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh my god! Let's not let's stop talking horse about it so race. you don't have to yeah, think let's not about, talk it. about it. Alrighty, thank you guys for listening. Let's okay, well, so you guys wait can no what more podcast at gmail.com. Oh, that's not the noise I wanted. That's the beginning of a news podcast yeah. or news broadcast. Yeah, it's okay. okay. You know what I mean. You can follow us on Instagram at filmnoir.podcast. Hi. You can email us at filmnoirpodcast at gmail.com. Hi. And you can donate to our Patreon at Film Noir. Please. Alrighty. Um, can you and email me? follow me. Oh, yes. On Twitter. At Caro underscore Phil. That's at underscore. Oh, nope. That's at C-A-R-O underscore P-H-I-L-L. Um, Film Noir. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Film Noir podcast is written and produced by Natalie Troy and Caroline Phillips. Reference to any specific product, individual, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Film Noir. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are interpretations of film and fact and by no means allegations of legal gravity against any entity. If you have any questions or concerns about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at filmnoirpodcast@gmail.com.